Tonight's reading is from Galatians 5, chapter 13 to 25, which can be found on page 1172 of the Church Bibles. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fit of rage, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the spirit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I think we better move this because uh, I don't want to knock over Matt's guitar. That would be gaff of the year, wouldn't it? So, uh, let's pray together. Father, we always want to thank you for your word and thank you that you, you speak to us through your word. And we pray that you do exactly that tonight as we turn to Galatians 5, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I think over the next, uh, tonight and the following three weeks, we're going to get quite familiar with Galatians chapter 5 and verses 13 to 26. So this evening is really an introduction to this. And then we'll look in more detail at it over the, uh, the coming three uh, sermons on this as well. First of all, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Now, I think, uh, I guess you've probably heard of them. Uh, it's a book by Robert Louis Stevenson. You may have read the book or you could have seen the film and so on. Uh, generally speaking, Do- Dr. Jekyll, just give you a quick picture, is a, a, res- a respectable London doctor. He's kindly, a religious kind of guy. And in the course of his research, he discovers a drug which changes him to a repulsive and very nasty dwarf who he calls Hyde. And as Mr. Hyde, he commits all sorts of horrible acts. And yet Dr. Jekyll is ashamed uh, of this, but he finds himself uh, kind of getting addicted to the experience of being uh, being, uh, Mr. Hyde. And at one point, he struggles for two months not taking the drug until he finally weakens and he takes it again. And then he commits a brutal murder in the form of Mr. Hyde. And the more often he takes the drug, the more difficult it gets to regain his good identity until eventually Mr. Hyde so dominates him that he becomes Mr. Hyde permanently. And in order to escape capture of his crimes, he takes his own life. Now, in some ways, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is a very accurate description of the Christian life. 
The Christian life is a fight. It's a battle. We have two natures within us. We have the spirit and the flesh. And the Christian life is a, is a battle between these two natures. But where Robert Louis Stevenson gets it wrong <clears throat> is that he says, that in the end, the bad side wins when uh, Mr. Hyde went and uh, took his own life. Uh, but in real life, in the end, the bad side in the Christian never wins, as we shall see. So this evening we're thinking of real worship, what real life is about, what life tomorrow is like, what it's about, what about tomorrow and this coming week and so on. So I'm going to give the background to this passage now and then we're going to be focusing over the, uh, the coming three weeks on the fruit of the Spirit more specifically. So this evening we're thinking particularly and specifically about this, real worship from Galatians uh, chapter 5 and verses 13 to 25, and we're thinking of the background this evening. And the first thing we want to say is this, is that there are two natures. There are two natures. They battle in our lives, day after day, hour after hour, week after week, month after month. And uh, these two natures are, well, on the one hand, I'm calling this one sarks. Now, uh, it says here, the flesh. But sometimes that can be a little bit... uh, Uh, So you look at verse 16, for instance. Do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, uh, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So here are the two natures, the flesh and the spirit. But I'm going to call the flesh sarks, because when we say flesh, you naturally kind of think, you know, flesh, as in on your arm kind of thing. There's flesh. We all have bodies, and uh, our bodies are uh, held together by our flesh, aren't they? Um, that's not actually what it means, though. It doesn't mean the flesh of your body. It doesn't mean something physical. Uh, some versions translate this the lower nature. It's what we are by nature, by our natural birth. It's the uh, sin-desiring aspect of our whole being. It is our sinful hearts, if you want to think of it in that way. It's that part of us which is yet to be renewed by the Spirit of God. For Christians, the Spirit comes into our lives and begins renewing us. And the flesh is the stuff that has not yet been renewed by the Spirit. And we see, look at verses 19 to 21 here, you see in that paragraph there, there's a long list of these acts of the flesh. He says there, the acts of the flesh are obvious. We're going to come back to those. But they're the, they're the, they're the acts, the, the stuff we do which are sinful nature produces and that's not the whole list do you notice just in verse 21 there um, that says right in the middle of the verse and the like so he just gives a whole long list and the like so in other words there's a whole long list of other stuff which I'm not writing down here so you know we can be quite inventive and do all sorts of dodgy stuff and, uh, and it's not there in that list but there's a whole load more stuff as well that we will do if our sinful nature our flesh our sarks, that's the Greek word for it, gets its way. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But uh, there is one thing to say immediately, and it's this. Um, our ability to do any or all of these things is in all of us. So please don't feel here, uh, sit here this evening feeling outraged and looking at this list here and think about, uh, look at verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy and all the rest of it. Please don't thinking, sit here tonight thinking and feeling outraged by this because we're all capable of all of them. 
That's the teaching of the Word of God. C.S. Lewis said, for the first time, this is just after he uh, became a Christian, writing about it, he wrote this, for the first time I examined myself for a seriously practical purpose. And there I found what appalled me, a zoo of lusts, a bedlam of ambitions, a nursery of fears, a harem of fondled hatreds. My name was Legion. And you see, that's the same for all of us. That's what we're like. So, uh, you know, in fact, maybe we were doing some of these things. Maybe perhaps you did get drunk last night. Perhaps you are hopelessly jealous of someone else. It could be that you do have uncontrolled sexual temptations of one sort or another. Or maybe you just simply hate someone else right here, right now. So please don't think this is all about other people. This is very much about us. So there are two natures. There's the sarks, the flesh, the sinful nature. And then seconds, the spirits, the spirits. This is the renewed Christian heart. This is our heart made new by the Spirit of God. Before we became Christians, the sinful nature was there, ruling alone and unopposed in our lives. But when we became Christians, the the Holy Spirit supernaturally comes and lives and enters our lives and lives here and began renewing uh, our lives. And that is what is now our new nature. And it's a wonderful, deep, personal and inner renewal of our lives that God is doing by his spirit being born again and now he is gradually transforming us by his spirit in our lives there's a whole load of stuff about the Holy Spirit in the book of Galatians and there's a lot of stuff here in uh, in chapter 5 I think just from verses 16 to 25 here the spirit is named seven times by name we will not ignore the spirit Uh, And it's important here to recognize that you've got the sarks, the flesh, the sinful nature on the one hand, and you've got the spirit on the other. And the important thing to recognize about this, there are two natures, but there's one war. Because on the one hand, you've got the sarks, the flesh, the sinful nature. On the other hand, you've got the spirit, and they are at loggerheads. They're at war with each other. They're against each other. The Christian life is a war between the flesh and the spirit, between the old nature and the new nature. It's a war which one commentator called fierce, bitter, and unremitting. See, look at verse 27. Uh, No, not verse 27, verse 17. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. It's about our desires. Christian people have good and godly desires, and we also have sinful desires. So say, on a, say it's a really good day. And on a really good day, you want your best friend to come to church with you and hear about Jesus. You want her to become a Christian. Nothing's more important than you have really desire. What you really want, honestly, is for her to become a Christian. On a bad day, you've had an argument with her. And your desire is for her to go onto the next bus. It's fleeting, but it was there, wasn't it? And you see, there's a war on. There is conflict all the time between your sarks, your flesh, your sinful nature on the one hand and the spirit on the other hand. And that's one of the proofs that you're a Christian. It's not just a kind of conscience thing, but there's a genuine war going on in our lives. A real conflict. 
sometimes the old nature keeps you doing things you don't want to do. But actually, as we look back, we can see that God is helping us and we can see that actually we don't want to do a lot of the stuff that we do. It's a sign of God's at work in our lives, changing us and molding us to become more like him. Let's look at this in a little bit more detail. I'm going to race through these things pretty quickly. So uh, two symptoms, sarks. Now, uh, and uh, first of all, well, there are three areas here. Uh, They're grouped around sex, religion, or four areas, sex, religion, society, and alcohol. So the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Sexual morality, that's the porn word. The word is pornea, the word from which we get pornography. And it's literally sex with unmarried people. The Bible defines marriage as a lifelong commitment of one man to one woman for life. Not two men, not two women. Marriage is one man and one woman for life. And that is the only right home for sex with someone else. Okay? So it means we don't have sex with people we're not married to. You're engaged to someone, you wait till you're married. Two gay people, you don't have sex. Okay? This is the Christian standard of behavior that is outlined clearly in the Bible. Marriage is for sex. Sex is for marriage. Okay? Impurity here means unnatural sexual practices and relationships. It would include, for instance, sex with an animal. And it does happen. Debauchery is uncontrolled sexuality. So debauchery is, for instance, going out on a Friday night, going to the pub, picking up someone, going back to your place, having sex with them, and then going back to the pub to find someone else. That's debauchery. Then in the area of religion. Religion. Idolatry uh, is as much uh, a work of the sarks, the flesh, as is, as is immorality. It's a worship of other gods. Witchcraft is faking the work of the spirit. So it includes, for instance, sorcery, secret tampering with the powers of evil. Uh, a foolish and dangerous thing to do. It is the work of the sarks, the flesh. And then we also have society here. And he gives eight examples of the breakdown of personal relationships. Uh, Four attitudes, selfish ambition, envy, jealousy, hatred, and four results of those attitudes. Discord, fits of rage, dissensions, and factions. You put those eight things together and you have a disintegration of relationships. And you see, our sarks, our flesh, our sinful nature... Um, is just working to destroy relationships. It happens within marriages. It happens within church. It happens within friendships, just naturally and generally. That's what it's doing. It happens, it'll be happening in a marriage near you. It'll be happening in a home near you. It'll be happening at at an office near you. It'll be happening at a school gate near you. And sometimes we're involved, aren't we? Actually. Sometimes we're victims of those things. Sometimes we're not just victims because of our sinful nature. Because of our jealousy, because of our hatred, because of our rage, because of the divisions you bring. And then it talks here, uh, the fourth area of the work of the sex is in the sphere of alcohol, drunkenness. He talks about orgies. Most likely they're drinking orgies in the original here, getting drunk with other people. 
behind closed doors. You know, you turn up with uh, your 18 cans of this or that or whatever, and you sit there just getting drunk together in your living room. And uh, you know in the morning it's the work of the sarks, don't you? And then uh, look at the end of uh, verse 21. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's important. Those who live like this. Now, the tense of the verb there is really important because it's actually saying, I, I want to tell you, and I want to warn you, he's saying, that those who live like this habitually, those who carry on living like this, those who do this kind of as a lifestyle, in an ongoing and an unrepentant way, if that's your lifestyle and you don't care, he's saying you won't inherit the kingdom of God. He's saying you're, a Christ, you're not a Christian. Saying you'll go to hell. He's making it very clear. But if, for instance, you get drunk next Friday night and then the next morning you're remorseful and you regret it intensely, if you recognize that you're making a, a god out of your new laptop, say, or whatever, and then you realize that and you confess your sin, if you've got a problem with porn, but you repent each time and you're honestly asking God by His Spirit to help you, to give you the strength to say no and to walk away from it, then that's completely different. That's not a settled sinful lifestyle. That's part of the battle, part of the conflict, part of the war that we're in. See, we're in a war. And when you're in the war, sometimes you lose a battle, don't you? But by God's help, through his Spirit, we hope and we pray that we will win the next battle. And we ask for him and his people's help to help us to do that. So that sucks. The, the acts of the, of the flesh just outline very briefly that little uh, paragraph from verses uh, 19 to 21. But look at verse 22, and we also see here uh, there is the Spirit. And we notice four things about the Spirit's work. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kind, uh, not I've, I've learned it in the old version, so I'll read it. Shall I? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Four things here. First, briefly, and then I'll uh, be quiet. Um, the first one is gradual growth. Now, we have raspberries on our back garden. I love raspberries. And uh, in the summer... Uh, almost every day at breakfast time you can go out and pick a little raspberries to have on your cereal and so on. But I never actually see them turning red. And I'm not standing in my back garden thinking, oh look, there we go, it was green and now it's white or whatever and now it's going a nice dark, sort of juicy red colour. It just doesn't happen. You don't see these things happening. But actually they do go red through the day. It is pretty quick, but it's still fairly gradual. And we need to remember that God's work in our lives, this fruit of the Spirit, this fruit of the Spirit working in our lives, is gradual as well. So we need to remember to be patient. And remember that God has a long-term plan for our lives to transform us throughout our lives to be more like Jesus. And often means that we and others don't notice day by day what's happening, how things are changing. It's like children growing, isn't it? Or grandchildren growing, you know. Or a great nephew or something. You don't see them for three months and all of a sudden they're absolutely shot up. It's a gradual growth. Second thing to notice here, it's an inevitable growth. 
There will be growth. And when we see it, we thank God for it. When you see the fruits of the Spirit developing in someone else's life here, thank God for what he's doing there. There was a, a story told about an old guy who died, and they buried him in his grave. And uh, what they didn't know, they lowered the coffin down, was uh, an acorn just popped down with the coffin. And then they put a, placed a huge slab of marble over the top of the grave. And over the months and the years... Um, this little acorn sprouted and began to grow and it found a slight little imperfection in this slab of marble and it continued to grow. And then over time, that little imperfection uh, developed into a little crack and then a split. And then more than that, as it grew, grew, this great big slab of marble did this and it came apart and you you just see it. You've probably seen this kind of thing in graveyards. And it's a a gradual, but it's an an inevitable growth. And it's similarly with the fruit of the Spirit, because it is the Spirit of God who's working. It is simply inevitable. Simply inevitable. This gradual but inevitable nature of it means uh, that we'll want to, for instance, value those in whom God has been working for the longest amount of time within our church. Someone got a phone? For the longest amount of time in our church family. That means our older people, generally speaking. So we want to spend time with them. We want to appreciate them and thank God for them. It's an inevitable growth. It's also an internal growth. The fruit of the Spirit is a deep and an unseen work which we will begin to see in people's lives. But it is inside. And at the... uh, um, the danger of making this sound like a tour around our back garden. Outside our back door, we've got a plum tree. Now, a few weeks back, it looked completely dead. It does every year. It's got a, the, the trunk is split in two. You can, I can put my hand right through the trunk, right through to the other side. But every year, and the last couple of weeks, it started uh, having blossom and so on, and it will produce, dare say, uh, some plums, possibly quite a lot of plums in due course. Now, the fruit is the proof of the life. I could have told you two, three, four months ago that plum tree could well have been dead. But when those plums are there, we'll know that by some extraordinary way that is still alive. And God at work in our lives is proof when we see the fruit that we're still alive, that we are alive in him. And then one final thing. It's a singular growth, by which I mean it's a single bunch of fruit. It's not the fruits, plural, of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Jonathan Edwards, the great evangelist, said, there is a concentration of the graces of Christianity. And, uh, uh, and you notice there is a very significant contrast. So verse 19, it's the acts, plural, of the flesh, the sarks. And in verse 22, we have the fruit, singular, of the spirits, one bunch. That means we're expected to have them all. So it's actually no good saying, well, I'm actually quite good on love. I'm quite a loving person. And I'm quite faithful and quite gentle, but um, I don't have much joy and I've, uh, I'm actually hopeless at patience. No, God intends all of us to have all the fruit in our lives. Some we might be stronger than others. Maybe it's because of our natural temperament. Maybe it's because of circumstances of life and so on. But God wants us to have all the ninefold bunch fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And we're going to investigate them and see them more in the coming weeks. But just look at the end of verse 23, and with this we'll finish. It says here, against such things 
There is no law. That's very strange. What does that mean? Well, it means the fruit of the Spirit don't belong to the realm of moral legislation. It means you can't obey people to be more loving. You can't command people to obey this. We're talking here about God's work by His Spirit in our lives. And as He does that, then we see this fruit developing in one another's lives as an encouragement for each of us And it is the proof of God being at work in our lives, this product of this inward spiritual renewal. So that's a bit of a a, a rush through and some background for the coming weeks. Uh, I'm just going to finish this introduction next week and then uh, we'll be getting into the first of the uh, first three parts of this fruit of the Spirit, love, joy and peace. But for now, let's remember there's a war on. The battleground is your life. It's a battle between your old nature, the sarks, and your new nature, the spirits. And real worship happens when our renewed Christian heart grows and works its way out in our lives. And we see the fruit of the Spirit beginning to grow and developing and we recognize that and see it in each other, in you and in me. And as we study these uh, uh, few verses in some significant depth in the coming weeks, I trust and hope that we will be really encouraged and we will want to very much worship God as we understand more about these things. So let us pray together now. Father, we know we, there is a war on in our lives. We recognize it, all of us. And we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to understand ourselves. Help us to understand your work in our lives, we pray. And we ask, Lord, please, that we may all grow to become more like our Lord Jesus as the fruit of your Spirit grow. In each of our lives, we pray for your name's sake. Amen.